Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, quick trigger warning. We do briefly talk about suicide in this episode. So if you are not in a place to hear about that, feel free to skip this episode and come back at a later time. Or you can check out one of our other amazing episodes. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Christine. Christine O'Brien Horseman is the author of Deal With It Doll, Coaching Yourself Through Crisis. She is a life and career coach and corporate trainer. Christine's specialty is emotional intelligence and communication skills. She helps her clients articulate their worth and what they want. Christine is a chronic illness warrior who has added long haul COVID to her resume. That is something I want to talk about because nobody talks about that. (laughs) Known for her laugh, Christine brings a healthy dose of humor and playfulness into all that she does. She is unable to control her need to call people pet names in terms of endearment. From sweetheart to beautiful to doll, of course. So it totally makes sense, the whole doll thing now. I'm like, (laughs) oh, I get it. Yeah. Um, It's cute. It depends on where it comes from. You know, if um, sometimes guys use it like in a very like demeaning way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) absolutely and I have moments where I thought uh you know because of that my feminist side would start to say well really but um so the name of my company is paper doll communication and I named that solely for my own satisfaction (laughs) because it makes me happy and I did a lot of my business building list building with in-person events for you know events for women Mm -hmm. and if you have a big sign that says coaching, life coach, people might walk past and be like, I don't need that. Or what, you know, but people are like, for all, what is that? It's this big, cute thing that, you know, and tends to attract people. And so it's kind of worked for me, even though it's not the most professional (laughs) sounding name for a company. Oh no, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, it seems to attract the, the right people for me, if you will. Right. Yeah. And so when I was doing the book, originally I was going to call it grit it girl, like get it girl, grit it girl. Yeah. And then I was like, no, I'm going all the way with my doll thing. Um, but I had those moments of thinking that, but I I mentioned this in my acknowledgement, but my grandparents called us doll baby and baby doll all the time. So for me, it has a sweeter connotation than some of that, like, Hey doll, you know, kind of seedy, leery, lech, you know. <laughs> yeah, it definitely comes off differently when a uh, woman uses it than a man. Um, because definitely I've had guys use it like in a very like demeaning, like, you know, toxic masculinity way where you're just like, no, stop. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Um, So I want to apologize to anybody listening um, because my voice sounds like crap. And that is because (laughs) I had my thyroid removed a week ago, Uh, completely removed. Uh, Anybody who's a longtime listener to the podcast knows I've had these issues for, well, now we know, now we know, I'll tell a little bit of the story (laughs) that it's been a long time, Um, but only recently in like the past year, um, have I noticed like real issues and stuff with my 
voice cracking up and, and being really like exhausted and all these different things. Um, so people know I was going to have surgery and I did and everything went wrong. (laughs) They got in there was three times the size it's supposed to be. It was in places like under my collarbone, they weren't expecting like they, it was a mess. They didn't know how large it was. I guess my neck is like really rigid and it hid most of it. And so he got in there and he was like, it was a mess. And uh, so I woke up with no thyroid, uh, which I knew was a possibility. So much pain. I ended up having to stay in the hospital because of the like complications. It was a mess. So my voice is crap. So I apologize to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that. When I had my, I had a total thyroidectomy also, which you know we had shared with each other we went into the surgery, like asking so many questions that I think like my surgeon thought my husband and I were a little bit crazy, yeah. but we kept saying like, you don't understand. We want to plan for the worst case scenario. And doctors sort of hate this. They want you to be like positive. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm a very positive person. I need to know what to plan for. We had a yeah. baby at the time, toddler. And, and we're like, you don't understand. I don't go with the, like, it goes smooth. I go with the exception to the rule body. Yeah. <laughs> and I was in the hospital for five days after. And he finally was like, y'all tried to tell me <laughs> I, yeah. I really didn't get it. Y'all tried to tell me. <laughs> and I felt that same way. I just, it, it was unpleasant and scary to say the least and really painful. I threw and up as when I woke up. So to have had surgery yeah. on your neck and then throw up after mm-hmm. was rather gruesome. Oh, you had the same yeah, I got so nauseous. Ugh. It was, and I was, it was awful. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had three C-sections and I will take, I would take another one of those over this any day. It was like one getting put under, right. That's scary. Cause I'm like, what if I don't wake up? I've never been yeah. put under before with a C-section you're numbed, you're, but you're awake, you know, and it's, it's really painful afterwards, but like sneezing and coughing, but literally talking I, you know, mm-hmm. coughing, like sneezing, anything you do, like even right now, my stitches are out and it's still uncomfortable, like to be talking and sneezing and coughing. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is awful. So I would take C-section over this. Yeah. Uh, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I think that's one of those things where, you know, nowadays they try not to keep you in the hospital any longer than they have to, but it gives us weird, um, impression that you're better than you are, right? Yeah. But there's still so much healing that's happening for you, even though the stitches are gone. Exactly. And um, my doctor was like really mad because as soon as I woke up, because it was such an extensive surgery and there were so many complications, it was very swollen, like very swollen. While the nurses doing, you know, what they're supposed to do, freaked out. They thought I had a hematoma. And they're not, instead of like quietly talking amongst themselves about it, they're yelling about it. And of course I just woke up. And so now I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying. What's happening? <laughs> like, What's happening? And, um, my doctor was in the middle of another surgery and he was great. He took a time out. He came, he felt it up and he told them like, no, she just went through a lot of trauma on her neck. Mm-hmm. Like she's just very swollen. He was like, but we're keeping her in the hospital. We're going to monitor her and everything mm-hmm. will be all right. Um, and it's still swollen. Like it, um, mm-hmm. just not as bad, but yeah, he, you, I met with him yesterday. I get the stitches out and he was like, nurses have the best of intentions, 
but um, they definitely planted a seed in your brain. Cause like I called his office and I was just like, oh my God, there's more bruising. Like, is it the hematoma? And his, right. like, and his secretary was great. And she was just like, send me the pictures. Here's my number. I'll send it to him. It's probably nothing, but we just want to be safe. And then she sent it to him and he was just like, it's fine. Like everything is okay. But yeah, it's scary. It's just scary. Yeah. It's hard not to feel anxious about it. And you don't know. I mean, you know, you've never experienced it. You don't know what to think and what it's really supposed to look like. And then everybody's different, right? Everyone's a little bit unique on how these things go down. Yeah. And so to, to get back to you, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah. You have been through some stuff health-wise, obviously you just told us you had your whole thyroid out too. Um, but one second I want to kick it off with is long COVID. Cause this is not talked about at all. And, you know, people are constantly going like, Oh, it's no big deal. If you get COVID, you'll be okay. Like, you know, mm-hmm. as long as you're not immune compromised and they fail to like, even take into account that so many people have had long COVID and it comes with for everybody. It's different, right? All the mm-hmm. symptoms are different. The severity is different. It can last it can last weeks. It can last months. Like for some people, it's been several years that they've been dealing with these symptoms. That's right. And it, it could be physical. It could be mental. It, so tell us about your experience. Yeah. And especially like other countries, you know, people where other countries are hit harder first, you know? Um, so there are definitely people going on years. So I think this is true of any illness, right? That I, I have a slew of them. <laughs> like I said, I've got a resume. <laughs> But like for rheumatoid arthritis, for example, you know, I have rheumatoid arthritis. Someone else might have rheumatoid arthritis and having to use, you know, devices for mobility. Right. And Mm -hmm. I can get in and out of the bathtub. Someone else with rheumatoid arthritis can't get out of the bathtub. It, it, you know, it shows up differently. Right. Mm -hmm. And you go through waves when you have anything that's chronic, the way it even shows up for you isn't consistent. And that's hard for people to get their head around. I will never understand, but it seems to be human nature to sort of have this first reaction of, "Uh uh-uh, no, (laughs) that's not possible. This disbelief all the time that somehow people are exaggerating, Mm -hmm. um, that somehow they're being babies or whiny or like just, you know, if you just got out of bed, you'd be better. And you're like, I can't get out of bed. So it's a bit maddening to be really, really honest. And, and I've seen it, you know, when I first started with the thyroid issues and even before that, when that endometriosis in my twenties, well, I mean, still had it later, but when it was like first getting diagnosed and that or whatever, every low B12, every group I've ever been in, I see sort of the same phenomenon, no matter what the chronic illness or challenge health challenge is that there's this disbelief factor so from my perspective, and sometimes honestly, it feels a touch jaded. It's like, this just, this is just the new kid on the block. This is just the most recent thing. Mm-hmm. You know, fibromyalgia, um, that was considered like BS, right? Or oh, wait, we can swear on your show, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Swear away. That <laughs> works better for me. <laughs> so, you know, fibromyalgia, even 15 years ago was still being discounted and discredited and it's not Mm. real. Right. So I actually think 
long COVID has gotten a lot of attention and recognition in comparison to some other things, mainly because there was worldwide pressure all at the same Mm. time, you know, hundreds of thousands of new health advocates. Um, But it's saddening because, so one of my go-tos has always been to find support groups. And for me, virtual support groups have always been sort of the way to go. Like when you can't leave the house. So yeah found a lot of people over the years on social media, you know, in different groups to join. And I will be active and then I'll disappear. And, but you know, those are the kind of groups that are great because they're there when you need them and you can contribute and show someone what you've learned. And, and, um, I joined a bunch of long COVID groups when it was obvious, like I wasn't bouncing back. Mm -hmm. And in some ways I am one of those people with a compromised immune system. It's sort of no surprise in some level that my body had a harder time with this virus. But for many, many, many people, I mean, there's now probably over a million people at least that have long COVID and probably Mm -hmm. more, who knows? Um, This was their first loss of health. This was their first health crisis. Um, For many, they're like, you know, you or I, where they've had multiple things happen. It doesn't make it really any easier necessarily. Right. For some, it's more depressing because of that. It feels unfair. Um, but that loss of health is, it's really devastating. And that's why I get so sad and frustrated that time after time you hear about people saying their friends and family, their spouses don't get it. And they mm-hmm. feel judged and they feel misunderstood. They feel a lack of support. And I promise you, they're already blaming themselves on some level. Because we have this feeling that somehow we can fix it. We should be able to. We're not doing a good job being sick somehow or something, right? Right. You know? And so it's it's tough. It's tough. And I will tell you, even still, I'll pop into those groups. And there are people on the edge. There are people who are suicidal. There are people Mm -hmm. who are having suicidal ideations. There are some that have taken their own lives. Thankfully, there's some that are getting help with support and right. talk down the ledge, some that are going and getting the care that they need, but it's a big deal. Like it's a really mm-hmm. big deal. Yeah. I can uh, relate to people not taking it seriously. So after my surgery, actually yesterday, I, I posted like, I just had my stitches out, need recommendations for scars, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And this girl who never talks to me, um, who's. I went to high school with, who's part of an MLM. Um, and yeah. I'm sure people can guess where this is going. She's oh, got a, she's got this thing you. that's going to help me. Um, and that she takes this supplement that they sell and it's really helped with her thyroid issues. Maybe it'll help with mine. And one, I'm thinking yeah. like, where have you been for the past week? I literally posted it's gone. Like I, I, right. whatever, it's, you it's, have it's to already done. it's already <laughs> right, done, yeah. but her comment to me kind of came off mm-hmm. as in like, I was responsible for my thyroid mm-hmm. being right that I could have done yeah. something. Cause then I yep. was like, Oh, I had it completely removed. Cause it was three times the size it was supposed to be. And then she messages me <laughs> trying to sell me shit. And I'm just yes. like, Oh my God. Yes. Like it came off to me. Like you're telling me this is my fault. Like if I had just been like you and taken this, whatever the hell you're yeah. freaking, uh, you know, selling yep. that I would have been okay. How am I going to control my thyroid freaking growing three times the size it's supposed to be? Right. You know? Right. And the fact is, I mean, there's genetics, there's all kinds of things at play. 
And the truth is our thyroids have been under assault for decades and decades and decades for things that are far bigger than you and I can control, you know? Um, No, it's, it's super frustrating. And some people are well-intentioned. Some people say things because they're worried about you. Some people say things because they don't realize they're being self-protective, that they want to believe that um, you get sick, you go to a doctor, they give you a medicine and you're better, that everything's fixable, solvable, resolvable. Um, But it's a reason why they're called chronic. Um, And, and then there's people who have their own agenda and sometimes, you know, doesn't mean they're bad people, you know, but maybe a little colored, a little blinded. They've drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. No, no, no. Definitely drank the Kool-Aid. And they're pushed. This is how you're supposed to sell. I mean, yeah. that was one. I was in an MLM group that I still order from, and for a minute was did business building. I, I was in an MLM, like I literally was. One yeah, of yeah. <laughs> and and you know, a lot of people have had mixed experiences, of course, myself included. I'm a little defensive of them in the sense that, like, for a, a lot of women who are trying to find a way to be a mom and still have a foot in the door professionally, mm-hmm. you know, contribute a little bit financially, um, they can be helpful. They can also be hurtful, but mm-hmm. I felt that way with that group of like this push to sell, like you're going to prevent, you know, I'm like, I had cancer right now. <laughs> like this yeah. idea that you're going to help people prevent cancer and everyone's in health experts. And it, it's a little exhausting. And I just don't think people realize the way that they're coming across. Mm-hmm. And there is, I think in a lot of different places that what you're saying, that's not your fault and you could have prevented you could have fixed. I mean, and so that tips into like the little bit toxic positivity. It tips into this um, idea that sort of we're in control of everything. Mm-hmm. And it tips into this idea that um, if you only just achieved sort of more on some level, like the striving for perfection. And so, you know, my book is like, the subtitles coaching yourself through crisis. And, you know, one of the things is we can't always get our own self out of crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we're, our goal is to kind of try like to take the steps to do what we can, um, and be our own advocates, right. And take our own power back. But I don't like when that gets twisted with this idea that like, that somehow means you should have prevented every crisis yep. that happens to you, right? We're not in control of everything. And it puts a very, very sad and difficult and lonely burden on the person who's struggling when you're given this message on, you know, whether it's the MLM person or the friend who's like, really? Well, my, you know, when my sister had her thyroid out, she was grocery shopping the next right. day, you know, whatever, you know, I whatever it had is, somebody right? say that like something along that lines, it was like, Oh, like three days later, my mom was at a barbecue with our whole family. And here I am like a week later talking to right. you. And I'm like, I don't feel like I could go to a barbecue with a whole right. family. <laughs> right. It, at all. Right. Exactly. And so this idea that people don't experience the same thing the same way, um, you know, I think it sets a lot of people up for feelings of failure and isolation. Mm -hmm. So how, um, back to the long COVID, how have you experienced that sort of thing with Mm. people? Because it's this elusive thing, right? That we don't know a lot about and that, you know, people are, some people think is made up, 
Um, <laughs> there's yeah. a certain group of people who are like, that's just made up. Um, what have you dealt with when it comes to that? Because it's so new and so kind of like misunderstood. Yeah. So, um, for me, I think because at this point in time, I've been on this sort of chronic illness journey for a long time. And again, it doesn't mean that sometimes I don't feel supported or people mean to say that the right thing and it still somehow hurts my feelings or whatever, right. you know? Um, but I have a pretty good support base of people who get that I live with chronic illness and things hit me hard and go weird ways mm-hmm. and are very like supportive with like the check-ins. Um, I feel fortunate with my long haul COVID to be honest in that my biggest, most annoying thing is I get these head to toe rashes out of nowhere. I'm trying to figure out like, what's the pattern. And the one is if I'm tired, right? Like I'm a little overtired or something like that. People keep, this is what's annoying. People saying, Oh, it's stress. It's stress. Right. And I'm like, it's not stress. Like if you knew what I just dealt with two weeks ago, <laughs> right? didn't have a single rash, right? Or what, what stresses our system, what, what people think of as, oh, stress, like it's stressful to be chronically ill, yeah. <laughs> it's, right? It's stressful to wake up and not know what your body's going to be doing, right? So th- I don't think people even really actually have like a true conception of the, the, like what's the kinds of stress that impact our systems. And uh, yes, of course, there are stresses and if you're not taking care of yourself that can strain our systems. But I haven't found a super consistent pattern other than for sure I'm I'm feeling really tired. Um, I'm thinking allergies, you know, like anything else kind of maybe like stressing my system. I've I've had an infection. I've been having a hard time kicking. which again is not uncommon for me with my, my other autoimmune things. And at this point I've been on like so many freaking antibiotics. They just don't tend to always want to work. Um, and, um, so for me, it's these rashes and I will, now I can tell when they're coming. I found a concoction, um, that seems to work the fastest to take it down a notch at their worst. I get like a really disgusting, deep, weird, dull headache. And then a lot of times I'll just start shaking uncontrollably afterwards, like kind of like a chills kind mm-hmm. of a thing. That's kind of miserable, but I look like a lobster. I look like just within a minute, two minutes, my entire body will be red. And it's like fire ants are just prickling out. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of nasty, <laughs> it's yeah. not very pleasant. And it will just come out of nowhere. So it's also been a little mortifying at times. You know, I was leading a meeting and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, don't be alarmed. (laughs) That to turn bright red, you know? So, um, so it's, it's not the greatest feeling, you know? Um, and then for the first time in a very long time, I had some cognitive issues, um, Mm. this past week and last week, um, um, and again, it seems to be the infection sort of pulling out the long COVID stuff. Um, and I, I just, I had a day where I was like, I, I couldn't think straight and that hadn't happened to me for a very, very long time. That was one of my harder early symptoms. Um, like, you know, four, three, 
you know, four months in, five months in, or what have you. And, um, and it, it, that was tough, you know, like I just had to just accept, like, I can't do anything. I just have to shut everything down longer until yeah. my system starts to rebound. And then I have asthma and, um, just sort of like, like a susceptibility in my lungs. It seems like now, thankfully I never had like the oxygen problems or the sort of glass crystal kinds of scenarios that people are having. Um, the COVID thing is, again, there's a lot of, I mean, thyroid alone can cause such an array of symptoms, right? So there's a lot of conditions like this that cause like this myriad or have a lot of like fellow travelers, right? Mm -hmm. So often you have one autoimmune, you, you have more than one type of a thing, or you end up with something like fibromyalgia alongside it, pain syndromes, what have you. But, um, one COVID, I mean, the way that this is impacting people, it's so broad. I think that's, what's also makes it a little harder for people to get their heads around mm-hmm. your run of the mill doctor doesn't really know more than the patient dealing with it. You know, um, they're still following the research and, and learning and probably have, you know, there are patients who aren't all presenting the same either. Um, it's hard. And, and so a lot of long haul sufferers are dealing with what a lot of other chronic illness people have done where you bounce from specialist to specialist and it's Mm -hmm. incredibly frustrating. It's expensive. This is what the other thing I think people don't fully understand is how expensive it is to have a chronic illness. Um, some people can't work. Some people don't have good benefits, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I've been seeing a lot of posts recently in the long haul groups of people going like, how are you surviving? Like I'm not surviving financially. Um, And just the time away from work or what have you to go to all these appointments. So it's tough. It's super tough. Yeah. I read an article not too long ago that was talking about how there is going to be such an influx of disability um, Mm -hmm. applications because of long COVID. And they're telling people like, if you test at home positive, go get a, go get a PCR test, like where you have a paper trail of the results yes. because you may end up with long COVID and you may have to be that person that applies for disability. And you can't just say, I took a home test and I got, and I got a positive. You need a paper trail. Yeah. And I would say be relentless about your record keeping. Um, a lot of people now, because we have all these electronic portals, think they have access to all their records and they're not really your full records. Mm-hmm. And you would be surprised what doctors actually put in your charts, how many mistakes there can be, um, how many assumptions that they don't share with you, things like, oh, they're anxious, they're whatever. Like they make notes in your records that you're not aware of. So requesting copies of your full records um, can be important for situations like that. And if you start doing it along the way, it can have some benefit for yourself. Um, you know, rheumatoid arthritis is currently considered the number one cause of uh, disability for adults in the United States. Wow. And I'm sure that I have a feeling that like you're saying in 10 years, I, you know, I won't be surprised if long COVID doesn't catch up to that. Yeah. It's, it's just going to take so long, right? We're only like 
a little over two years into this thing, like what the first outbreak was in fall of 2019 or something like that. Yeah. So we're not even quite three years into this. So there's, it's so new and there's so little that they know. Um, and they're just trying to piece together all these things because it's like, like you said, everybody's showing different symptoms but right. they're linked to a COVID infection. And they're just like, I don't, we, we don't know why this is happening. You know, now they're saying like, COVID could lead to diabetes, like wild, wild. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and, and, you know, it's so common for a virus to trigger autoimmune conditions. Right. And, and so I think there's a lot of people who have long COVID, but they actually now also have something else, right? Mm. This, the virus has triggered a gene, a susceptibility, um, that's, you know, turned on rheumatoid arthritis in one person's body or POTS in another person's body or, you know, um, and so it's also, I think a little murky and like in that sense of like, um, something typically triggers, you know, not always can you point to that for autoimmune, but it's a common for a virus to be a trigger. Yeah. Um, so I think it's two weeks before this is going to air. I had Stacy on the podcast and she also lives with chronic illnesses. And actually I got her and you mixed up. And I was like, tell us about the long COVID. And she's like, what? And I was <laughs> like, like, don't give me oh, another condition lady. <laughs> you, you're not the one. Oh, okay. Like I it was, you know, in the midst of like thyroid create, you know, well, like you're like, still recovering. Like, yeah. Oh, I, I wasn't recovering at the time. I was just like, my voice was giving out and I was having all these troubles oh, oh, and I was pre, so exhausted yeah. pre- and I was just like, I'm so sorry, but let's, you know, but she was like, but I did struggle like during, I mean, still to this day as, you know, trying to keep herself safe. She fortunately knock on wood never had it. Um, but mm-hmm. her family had to be prepared and like, they have to make all these decisions because like it could, and she could end up hospitalized. She could die, you know, from having COVID and so we ended up talking about it, but I had you two big stuff and, and she shared a little bit about, about how she deals or with chronic illness, how she's able mm-hmm. to live with it. Um, so I'd love to hear from you is like, how, how do you deal with it? Like, especially mentally, because I can imagine mentally it's very exhausting. Um, yeah. And to be able to stay positive and motivated to push forward, you know, instead of mm-hmm. going down, like you talked about that dark path that it's taking some Mm -hmm. people, um, Mm -hmm. because it is so difficult. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes that dark path has nothing to do with our own mindset or trying to do the right things for ourselves. Sometimes what happens is you're having a massive, rapid biological change and chemical Mm -hmm. shifts in your system, you know, and having things like cancer or chronic illness can trigger depression and anxiety because it is a loss. It, there is a lot of unknown. There's a grief associated with chronic illness and the loss of health. Um, and that's one thing I talk about a lot in the book because it's, um, a loss of your identity, right. Mm. And takes a lot of things away from you, at least initially, um, when you can't, feel like you can't be who you once were, can't do what you once did. Sometimes you don't look like you used to look, right? Mm-hmm. You've lost weight or you're gaining weight from, cause you can't move or the medicines or 
And so there's just so many feelings of like out of control and out of sorts and not yourself. Um, when you're a parent with chronic illness, um, I'm get <laughs> choked it's, up. it's very painful. You can feel again, like you're not, you're like failing as a parent that you're not mm-hmm. doing what you're supposed to be capable of as a mother. You can't be maybe what you imagine or what you were or what you want to be. Um, and it's hard when a parent is ill, it throws the whole household off, you know, mm-hmm. it puts strain on the other parent. If it's two parent household, you know, it's a one parent household, my gosh, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, things really get rough, you know? So for me, coping with it has been a process. You know, I've been on this journey a very long time. Um, part of what I learned was that people were never going to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I still kind of go, what are you doing? You already know people aren't going to get it. Like, don't even right. bother. You know what I mean? Like, I still have those moments where I catch myself of like needing that validation or support or understanding. I mean, of course we want that. And I, I get it, but it's not that I don't ever get that. I don't want to sound that way, but you have to kind of let go of trying to make the world understand. You need to seek out the people who do get it. And that might mean closing the circle a little bit for a while. I don't mean like you know, shutting out all friends, but like, don't go there with them. Don't like, it can get exhausting when then you feel like <clears throat> you're also having to like educate someone in order mm-hmm. to get them to understand it. And um, so th- there's a, a grieving and a letting go process. And I think like most growth and most healing of any sort, um, it's not linear. It's not straightforward. It's, it's a bit, it, it, in the moment, it feels like one step forward, two, three, sometimes a lot of steps back and it's yeah. frustrating. But one thing a therapist, my therapist um, a long time ago told me, it's like a spiral and you feel like you're coming back to the same place, but you're not like you're looking down at the spiral, right? Like your perspective has shifted over time. So when I have moments, I think of things like that spiral and the growth earlier on in my journey, like say a few years into the uh, post-thyroid cancer, into the rheumatoid arthritis and getting one autoimmune sort of diagnosis after another, right. um, I, I realized I started looking at of, um, progress year over year. Like this year had more better days and weeks and months than the year before. And then I've gotten to have like such a longer term perspective of I'm going to have good times and bad times, but I am going to bounce back. A couple years before COVID, I had whooping cough of all freaking things. And at first they didn't know what the hell was wrong. I went to five specialists, the ER that took more vials of blood than I've ever had taken. They tested for like all kinds of weird things except whooping cough. <laughs> and then in my research, I found out that whooping cough in adults doesn't present at all like the way you're trained to look for whooping cough. Um, and a chronic cough over three weeks, you should always be tested for whooping cough. Um, but I mean, I'm into an immunologist. I went to a rheumatologist. I saw everybody. And it was a weird illness where like, I could kind of meddle through some days and other days I was like flat out. I was basically like drinking cough syrup with COVID. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was like ridiculous. But I was sick for five months. Um, 
And at the time it was funny though, because they're trying to diagnose me and they're like, maybe it's pleurisy. Maybe it's, it was like everything you ever heard of, like on little house in the prairie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are all these old weird illnesses that maybe she has? But like, I went through five months of whooping cough where I like basically was sheltered in place because I couldn't function or do anything or see anyone. And so taking that long lens, if you can, is, it, it can be helpful. And resilience is a muscle. You have to sort of talk yourself through it and exercise it and remind yourself, yep, it sucks that I'm getting knocked down once again, but I can get back up. I will get back up. And then finding ways to redefine yourself, um, ways to still feel like yourself. So for me, that was challenging work-wise because I really always derived a lot of satisfaction out of my work and like so much of us many people, you know, that's part of our identity, Mm -hmm. being a contributor financially. I didn't like it as much as I liked being home as a stay at home mom. And at times it was what I needed health wise and what my son needed. And I'm grateful that we were able to do that. I didn't like where it put me in my role in a marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not feel like he's a breadwinner and I'm the spender. I felt like it put us in this like unhealthy 1950s thing and I didn't like it at all. It wasn't (laughs) good for us. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but trying to work when you have chronic illness is really hard. And so, um, that's what led me into the coaching. I finally had to take a step back and say like, what could I do that taps into my business skill set, but works under the constraints of my chronic illness and, um, works for me. Yeah. And honestly, it helped me fall into what I really believe is my true calling. Um, and I'm working a lot now cause I'm doing it like on my own terms, mm-hmm. you know, and the virtual world has been a great thing for me. I was already coaching virtually and doing a lot of virtual trainings and then everything is virtual. So I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that actually was like a weird blessing in disguise for a lot of people actually. And then who are, um, in the disability community, whether that's through chronic illness or other forms of um, challenges um, and needs, you know, where you could participate differently. Yeah. And I hope that will not totally disappear. I agree. I agree. Um, Because like people were able to prove like, I can do this from home and you know, what's better for me because then when I'm having a really rough day, I don't have to add that extra energy to get to the office. I can still do something from home. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I agree with you hundred percent about the 1950s thing. Uh, I was, <laughs> I was a stay at home mom out of necessity, not out of want, uh, because we had four children and, uh, to pay, uh, our twins and our middle daughter are only two years apart. So we would be paying, uh, literally childcare for three children. I, uh, cause my oldest, yeah, you're working to like pay for the childcare, right? Yeah. And so we were just like out of necessity and in my spouse's job at the time, it was just better that I stayed home and I hated it. I know some women love it. I know some women who are working that wish they could stay home. Uh, yeah, different. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You talked earlier about how everybody's symptoms present differently. Right. So like yeah. when it comes to that sort of thing, everybody's different, but I'm like you, I had this need and want to be able to do something. That's when I fell into the MLM thing. And then it was really toxic and I got out and I started my own coaching business and then realized, 
I am not an entrepreneur. It is not my, I'm not, I can't, no, I need a boss. Yeah. And so then I went back to school. Now I want to be a, a psychology professor. Um, but back to the, I agree with you, like the whole 1950s things, it's really hard. And it's important for those of us who that's not our thing to be a stay at home mom, to find something that we can do that gives us purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, I'm grateful for those years, you know? Um, and I guess that's, you know, that's the other thing with like, things are a trade-off and a choice. And that's mm-hmm. one of the lessons I try to share that I've learned for the journey of chronic illness. We all have limitations, right? We all mm-hmm. have needs. Um, chronic illness puts a fine point on it, right? It's sort of highlighted that my energy is limited, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but everybody has those limits and everybody has those different needs and boundaries. And there's some things where, you know, people will say, oh, you're doing too much or what have you. Um, but there is this tightrope walk of taking care of what I need, which at this point, I feel like a pretty decent freaking expert. So I really do wish people would step off, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) but, and then a balance between who am I, what makes me actually feel alive, what makes me feel fulfilled and contributing, you know? And so you have to decide that for yourself and you have to kind of let some of it go of the, you know, everyone else getting your choices, you know, lots of people have felt judged as a working mother. Lots of people have felt judged as a stay as a stay at home mother, you know? Um, so try to free ourselves from the judgment and, and that's, you know, the pandemic inspired me writing the book, right. Mm -hmm. Um, because it was these questions of, um, what, what are our priorities, right? What's essential, you know? And, and these are kind of deep coaching questions really when you think about it. And th- part of all the, you know, we won't go into it, but like the clashes, <laughs> lots of yeah. different types of clashes happening, you know, sociologically, politically, all those pieces is because what's essential to me is not what's essential to you, right? Mm-hmm. And getting clear on those pieces I think helps us weather the storms, you know, helps us hang on to what we know is true and right for ourselves and what we need and what we want our life to look like. And it might not be the place in our season we're in now, but we've got that guidepost and we're going to find our way to it, you know? Um, And sometimes that is accepting some limitations, you know, but then that allows us for that adaptability, which is a part of resilience of, okay, what's the creative solution, right? Um, and so you know, one, one of the reasons I went into career coaching is, you know, as a start, and I do life coaching too, it usually kind of starts as career though, you know, cause I, I need a different job, but what I really want is, you know, yeah. and so then we work on sort of bigger picture goals and how do we get you one step at a time to where you want to be or work-life balance as a mom, things like that. But I chose career coaching, A, because it felt like it made the most sense out of my experience with staff development and, and, and what I felt like it really was my strong suit as a, as a manager, um, but also because it's more of a short-term coaching in a lot of cases. I picked something that I knew would work that if I needed sort of more in and out kind of a space, if you will, mm-hmm. depending on what I was doing, how I was physically. 
Um, so that is not the most lucrative. <laughs> coaching. <laughs> if you were to talk to someone who is like a coach for coaches and niche, yeah. niche, niche and all this, and oh, yeah. you know, how much money do you want to make and divide that up and blah, 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 you know, all of it. Right. Yeah. Like they would say, yeah, that's not your most lucrative coaching because career coaching tends to be a little bit more get a job, you know, and some longer clients. Um, and even life coaching can be like that where people go through phases. Right. Um, but it's what worked for me. And, and, and like I said, I feel like it honors, um, my past experience and, you know, in a way that I can honor that pull from it, but then step into the future. So do have to be creative. You do have to sometimes embrace where you are instead of keep fighting, fighting, fighting. And for a long time with chronic illness, I kept saying in my mind, like consciously and subconsciously, at some point I'll get back to where I was. Right. And I still get a little choked up because that's been one of the hardest pieces of healing. It's chasing what was, I'll get back to that. Or when I'm better, when I'm better consistently, I can work. Again, I can, you know, be a GM for a big company, you know, company again and put in all the hours, whatever. And, um, and I finally had to be like, maybe I'm never getting better. Like maybe this is the best it ever gets. And so then what, how can I be me? Yeah. And so I think the stop chasing and stop waiting and just sort of say, I am where I am and how do I make the most of it? Oh, I love that. It's so important. And it's so important to like, really realize like, is this me or is this what society is telling me to do? So as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? That you do have an unrelenting strength deep within you. There will be days, there will be moments, there will be seasons that you feel like you're on the floor, that life feels harder than it should be, that it feels like it's unfair, but it is the truth of life. Everybody does get theirs. <laughs> Everybody walks through the fire. Everybody goes through some shit, you know, and sometimes it hasn't happened to you. And it happens through your children, your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Nobody gets out of life without going through some hard stuff. Um, so leaning into your strengths, trusting yourself, um, and, and knowing that sometimes you do have to kind of dig deep down. And that's also what people mean by that when they say your new normal, that you hear mm-hmm. a lot when you're dealing with health. Um, but it can be other things, divorce, whatever, right? You know, your new normal um, to embrace it, um, you know, and to find ways to continue to honor yourself, but to keep going and keep growing. Yeah. It's so important. So important. I love that. You said like everybody is going to go through something, but it may not be the same thing. Cause I think we yeah. want to have, have like a pissing match over like I had a harder <laughs> or like, you know, whatever. And it's just like, no, hard is hard. We're all going to go through some hard. It's just gonna yeah. yeah. It's just part of life. It really is part of life. Sometimes, um, one of the things I say a lot is, um, clarity can be the gift of crisis, mm-hmm. you know, that clarity of what really matters to you. Who are you really, you know, like you said, not someone else's what you should be or what you should do, but yours and yours alone. Well, Christine, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. 
I am thrilled to have been here. I'm thrilled to get to know you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.